This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. I, when I was flying recently, I had, I, I got a KN95 mask, but I also bought this like space helmet Ooh. thing. It's, it's like a hood that has like a plastic shield on the front. So it just covers your entire face. It's the sweatiest and hottest, most terrible oh. thing to to wear on a plane. But also, I felt very secure, and I made everyone around me extremely uncomfortable because I was the weird space helmet guy. I was going to say, you need to hook me up with that to go get one of those, but I have a feeling I'm not going to get it before spine. I travel. But uh, that sounds yeah, sick, yeah, it just. <laughs> I got it. I got it on Etsy, and like, that's boy. I don't like traveling at all, and I wouldn't do it unless I really, really needed mm-hmm. to. But uh, having like two masks on did make me feel mm. a lot better. You got it on Etsy? Did it have a fun yeah. little design on it? <laughs> mm, I mean, no. Like, it, it's just a craft in and of itself. It's like it's okay. this plastic thing with this hood, um, and it's nice. Like, I'm gonna be able to use it again if I need to travel again. You know, against my will. Mm. Future space adventures, I get it. When we last left you, you were standing on a beach where the river meets the ocean meets the swamp. Behind you, there are the wading, steely knives of the cutting stone. And before you is Rusalka in all her glory. Dear William, I think you're in need of a story. A story that has been denied you. So if you'd be willing to indulge me. There once was a queen. And she ruled over a kingdom verdant and fair. Full of life, thriving with complicated potential. It is beautiful and terrible, just as her, something gentle and soft and sweet, and also violent and harsh and cold. And she was happy ruling over her kingdom. Until one day in the river, she found a child, one abandoned and discarded by the world of men. One 
that was committed to die, floating peacefully on the rushes of the river until it had cried its last. And in finding this child, she saw the inherent cruelty of the world of man. Which I think we can all agree is a funny thing, as gazing upon her often It is impossible to think of anything but the inherent cruelty of the world of nature. But such is the relationship between her and men. She held the child in her own arms, and she swore to it, swore to it that it would enter her care, and for that it would live. And what she took from it was foulness and disease. What she took from it was the wars and pains of man and society and all of the terrible things that could befall a child, even a child, who grew up in the loving arms of parents. Growing up in her arms, the child would always be strong, always be swift, and always be healthy because this is the kindness that lived inside her beautiful heart. And so the child grew. The child grew into a man, and for what he lacked from the world of men, the queen supplied instead from her world, from her kingdom. By day he held the body of a man, and by night he held the body of a fawn. And he was given freedom to roam her kingdom as he wished. But of course, her kingdom is open and free, her borders porous, and so many traveled through her branches and boughs, and they searched, searched for her bounty. Inhabiting the body of a fawn meant that he appeared to be part of her bounty. And so many men hunted him. They left their traps. And being a being who has never had to worry about pain or death his entire life, he fell into one of these traps with ease. His leg snapped and contorted. He thrashed, searching for a freedom that he would not find as the steely teeth had buried themselves deep inside his hind leg. When... He allowed himself to sink to the ground and allowed himself to despair as his mother could not hear his cries and the creatures of the wood would not run and carry a message on his behalf. The prince, the changeling, simply set himself to woe. But of course we know this is not where the story ends because another thing from the world of men entered the forest. Someone fair and graceful, with sweet features and an even sweeter heart, dressed in white and green and gray. She saw the magnificent thing that was the changeling. She saw his pain and his plight. And so, Instead of walking away, as most with sense would, instead of leaving this creature to suffer, as most with sense would, 
she approached, risking the thrashing protection that the creature could unfold, risking death and destruction, as it was his wont as the guardian of the forest. She freed him from the trap, and she spent hours tending to his terrible wound, and she was rewarded to discover that when the day broke, the fawn changed into a man. And when the two set eyes upon one another, they fell in love. Powerfully and deeply, and they spent many happy weeks in each other's arms, exploring all of the things that lovers do. And it was not long before her belly began to swell with child. And do you know what happens next in the story, William? Well, I certainly could guess. You would be wrong. That is your story. And that is the story that has been told nigh countless number of times before you inhabited the role. And to your credit, and somewhat the credit of the queen, you changed the story. In the common version, the one that nearly everyone who is around today knows, you die. But you, of course, did not die. This was your mother's decision. She, in some versions, could not bear to hold her own son underneath the rush of the river and watch him die alongside his love. And so, as they pledged themselves together, she cruelly tore them apart. In the most popular versions, of course, both lovers perish beneath the cold waters, being separated by some horrible lumen, one of the cruel ones, one of the nasty ones, who would commit themselves to such terrible deeds. The butcher in some, the rake in others, and a few, the rusalka, all made deals with the forest queen. But William, do you wonder ever why would the forest queen need to deal with another lumen to take a life in her own domain? Suppose it never occurred to me. I was a bit preoccupied. I won't blame you for not thinking of it initially, though I'll admit... William, there is some cruel part of my heart that does blame you for never thinking of it later on. She makes deals because she can't do it. She's not supposed to. That's not how the story goes. The queen just found a way to break it. I will tell you the true story now, William. The changeling approaches his mother, the beauteous and sweet queen, in her glade. 
the sacred glade at the core of all forests, lined with silver groves given to her as a gift by the sovereign before she tore herself away from his jealous heart. And he announced to his mother that he had found a love, and that soon they would bring a child into the world. And she was overjoyed, because though she loved her son, and though she loves her kingdom, she had watched over both for such a long time, and her heart was so heavy with love, and her limbs so tired with work, that she could not bear to go on. She welcomed the maiden into her sacred glade, and taught her the ways of the world, the ways of the forest, and made sure that their family was prepared to welcome what was to come. And after some months, after the maiden's belly had swelled full, she began to have her child. But what was born from her belly was not a person. It's hardly a thing. The maiden was born into her own godhood. She became the forest queen. And that is the natural way. Those with power age and die and are replaced with those who have youth and strength to live. But your queen is different. Your queen knew about the cycle because she had watched the queen before her wane and die as she was birthing her own child. And when she became queen, she decided that this fate would not befall her. And of course, the story tried to assert itself. She was first challenged by her husband, who she swore to love until his last. But we know that he was not successful. And so she waited until she happened upon a child abandoned by the world of men and found that she could not callously turn her back as she had planned to. So she raised it, helplessly, watching it grow and eventually watching it find a love of its own, knowing that as soon as that love was consummated, it would begin a clock ticking away her final moments until a child was born and she would be replaced. So she cast out to the lumens on her own, and she made a wicked deal to have them drown and committed to the river so that she would suffer them no more. And of course, as there are many cruel lumens in the world, it worked. She was surprised, though, when some years later she found another child. And so she realized her plight. Although she was able to break one cycle and hold onto her crown and her kingdom, living as queen, as core dominion over all forests of sphere, without being interrupted by the cycle of death and rebirth, there was another cycle she had to continue instead of death into infinity, of the breaking of love. 
And as that tale is compelling enough, Sphere accepted it, so long as she can pay the price. So she committed herself to making deals with many across Sphere. And there are many changelings, as she has discovered. She can create. She can allow a man to become an animal or an animal to become a man. That is simply her way. She finds debts by giving out powers and calls them in in order to make deals with lumens so that when a William and a Margaret arrive at her door, she will be able to dispatch them. But of course, that was not enough for your queen. After nigh countless cycles of doing that, she happened upon you, who came to her not as a child, but as a man who had already lived through many of the cruelties of the world and wanted to escape death on his own and thought he could do that by playing a game of cards. And so you were the perfect thing for her plan. A strange retelling of the story, compelling in its own way. And so when you were about to drown, she pulled you from the shore. She pulled you from the river. And you did what she had committed you to do. What you had committed yourself to do. And that is live. Live well past the natural cycle of a man. But live in servitude. Live with your life clutched in her hands. And we know that you escaped. You tore that life from her hands. And you have what freedom you can have. But that, of course, that, of course, meets her needs fine. As as long as you live, the cycle will not repeat. If you don't die, there will be no changeling to replace you. If you and Margaret don't fall together, then there will be no new William and no new Margaret to threaten her dominion. And of course, I struck back because I was jilted in my own deals. So when the Forest Queen finally desperately reached out to the Mariner himself in order to commit her foul deeds, I tore your love from his arms. And Margaret was not drowned, but dragged into the river, into my banks. But I held on to her. I did not let her go into the flow, and I molded her a new body one that looked much as her old one. And when I had enough pieces, I returned her to the world of the living. And you two found one another once again. And now, William, with this story, you are free to do whatever you like. I have two questions. Of course, dear. How do I know you're not lying? You already know. You just wish I was lying, because that would be easier. I was afraid of that. <laughs> then, I suppose the only question left is, will you help me kill the Forest Queen? 
heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the moment you have all been waiting for. The newest generic mid-roll is out. That's right, this one is updated, and it's more generic than ever. Uh, just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby. Heroes, our captain, our very own Nathan Blades, has designed a brand new role-playing game called The Ballad of Conjurers. It was inspired by JRPGs and the melodrama that they are famous for. And you can pick it up right now on Itch for just five bucks. You can find it by looking Nathan Blades up on Itch or by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I've also got something new coming out. I wrote a direct follow-up to my very first book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. Basically, we took the concept of prompts and exercises to help you develop backstories for characters at your role-playing table, or really any original characters you want to work on, that use game mechanics to make the process easy and fun, and we expanded it way past the fantasy adventure genre while also including exercises for fantasy adventure. If you're the type of person who loves thinking about your characters or characters in any property that you love, I highly recommend picking up this book. It's coming out in June, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering is super important. Not only does it tell the bookstores that people are interested in this book, but it tells my publisher that people are interested in this book, and it helps me publish more books and therefore support myself and my family. You can pre-order a copy now by heading to bit.ly slash RPG Backstory 2, and that's 2 as in the numeral 2, or by going anywhere books are sold and signing up for a pre-order. That is all major online retailers, every major brick-and-mortar bookstore, and of course your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstores. And I always recommend you go to an indie bookstore or a friendly local game store to order a copy because it helps out so many people. So put yourself down for a pre-order for the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition today. With that said, I want to thank Lex the Lexicon Artist for joining us as a guest for this arc. In addition to our regular game, for this arc we're playing StarCrossed, the two-player Forbidden Romance RPG. StarCrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member Alex Roberts and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of StarCrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexicon Artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician, Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on, James Mendez-Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that will be appearing much later on in the arc, and of course Casey Tony, our editor, for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett, who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. And we move into the next vision for Way and I drew these cards a little bit earlier while we were doing some scene setting, and I literally could not believe, especially at the point of the story we are for way, yeah. the cards that I drew next. The first of which is the changeling, mm. which stands for transformation, yearning, impulse, and will. Love it. <laughs> we, we need to credit these luminary cards Love as it. executive producer of this show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> or creative consultant or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's fantastic. Are you going to tell me what other cards you drew or are, are we going to focus on that for now? I, I can I can tell you the other card that you drew, but I, I honestly think in the, the next dream sequence again, it'll just make immediately clear exactly what we'll be looking at. So let's focus on the changeling for now. Great. I'll let you know that my thought immediately was like, we're kind of getting an idea of how Wei got got their eye. Like, it just makes so much sense. It's it's literally perfect. (laughs) So what were the words again? Yearning, transformation, Transformation, yearning, impulse, and will. Yes. I I think this would be a a great place to start. uh, This dream sequence would be a young Wei just left home. You know, young as in early 20s you know a young adult Mm -hmm. or you know young person as they would say young man young woman young person Mm -hmm. they have just left home they haven't acquired their eye yet but they're looking for direction they're looking for opportunities to participate in more poetry events in more you know word battle events which was one of the things that inspired them to uh, abandon the path that was given to them and in doing this they embark on many travels throughout the world as they had to leave home and not have a set place to stay. They lived life a little bit as a traveler, uh, you know, as a nomad. And during this time, they happened upon a place. What would be a good place, James, for this sequence to happen? Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm actually curious. Th- this could happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. The question, I guess, that I'll pose to you is: Do you think they were led to this awakening, like in a urban environment in a larger city, mm. or or do you think it is a remote place? What stands in contrast, I think, to the place that they're coming from? I think the place of their that they were coming from was not very urban, pretty austere, and didn't have much in the way of entertainment, uh, didn't have much mm-hmm. in the way of, you know, uh, nightlife, you know, art. 
So then I kind of think this this happens in a city. Yes. There are a bunch of of cities that we have yet to encounter that that have been described by our various freelancers. Mm-hmm. The one that I am kind of drawn to is one that was created by friend of the show and freelancer Gian Shim, mm-hmm. who is a game designer and just lovely person all around. But they created the city of Jianqi, which is this place in Sphere where people of different culinary traditions have gathered. There is a wild food forest mm. that is right on this place. There, There is a, a port where it is still possible for people to fish. It is a city of bright lights and many theaters because they use the muds and minerals from the earth to inform the lamps that they burn, allowing them multicolored lights and lamps. It is both a a gathered city center and a kind of sprawling natural landscape where people build homes within several different biomes. It is lush. It is full of life, uh, both life from people and life from plants and animals that looks unlike pretty much any place that people can imagine. It is this sparkling jewel of of a city and one that draws both artists, uh, really artists of every make, People who use music to tell stories, people who use food to declare love, people who use words to fight battles. I think this is perfect. Cool. It makes sense to me that Wei would be traveling to Jianqi to witness one of these famous battles and to be uh, a spectator or, or perhaps to perform in it. I'm not sure. Also, you know... Uh, I think let's say that they are a spectator, but they're trying to make connections and to be inspired mm-hmm. by the people who are already well-versed in this art. And they're also there, you know, reminder that Wei is a foodie and is in Dominion for this reason, mm-hmm. is also wants to experience that part of Jianqi, the, the city. And so I'm thinking that they're there for a, you know, for an event for, for like an mm-hmm. event that you know brings people from all around sphere they want to make connections they want to m- meet friends and they're looking for like you know a party they're looking for like a hedonistic yeah. experience yeah and John Chi can deliver that mm-hmm. and like I, I feel like Wei has been living a life uh, that like speaking of contributors to the show mm-hmm. uh, what one of the things that uh, was sent to our show was by none other than Arnie Parrott mm-hmm. the tradition of the wind worn mm-hmm. uh, the traveling like musicians and artists of sphere yes. that kind of make their life by showing up in a place and performing and you know moving on to the next place whether you know way decided to go full windworn or not like you've been leading this sort of nomadic life of desperately trying to survive prioritizing this art that the fire of your soul mm-hmm. and that has led you to John Chi mm-hmm. this place where it's happening yeah. where windworn from all over sphere are showing up where you know actors and performers are showing up where people are preparing this tremendous celebration 
that alights the entire city, that feeling that Wei got from that first poetry reading that they went to, the thing that lit the fire inside them, that made it burn away the calluses of the restriction and cruelty that they felt from the rest of the world, that fire is alive here in almost everyone Wei meets. They can feel it radiating, even if they might not have fully dived in yet. Like, we can see it here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is here at this global event. And I think that it does make sense for a way to be a, you know, at least like maybe in an entourage of Windborn as like someone who is, you know, still developing their craft, but they're here to like, mm-hmm. you know, with them to witness the event. I think it makes sense for them to meet this fateful person at the event. Whether this person is a spectator or whether this person is actually a performer or a a competitor in this event. I don't know what would yeah. work better for you, James. Well, I think that we can actually leave in your hands. Mm. But to, to start, what, what I'll ask is, what does this person look like? And from there, you know, we'll determine if they are a performer or merely someone who loves the atmosphere, loves to consume the art. Mm, What do they look like? I imagine that they are uh, shorter than Wei. Also, these lens flares is making like... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Lex's Lex's camera right now is full JJ Abrams and yeah. it's making this seem like it's going to be grand. Yeah. I was I was wondering what that was and it's the sun uh coming yeah. through that way. <laughs> yeah, I think that this person should have a feminine form mm-hmm. and would probably go by she her shorter than way. I imagine like in fl- you know a, a type of floral outfit, probably some sort of dress. Yeah. Darker skin than Wei. They have their hair kind of going out like this. How would you describe it? Her hair is curly and she's it's sprouting out of her head like a firework. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is it is it like done up to do that or is it like kind of kind of a loose natural look? I think it's a loose natural. Yeah, but okay. it's it's okay. kind of like tied up in in Little strands, I uh, tied up in strands. I think. Yeah. 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 I think then that yeah. has that has given me everything that I need. Th- this woman like is short. Yeah. But like we are not just seeing her as a person. We, we are seeing her, you know, in this retrospective way that we are seeing everyone. We we are seeing her as a soul. Yeah. And that soul is a fire. And it is burning bright. That heat, that light that drew way to this place mm-hmm. lives in this person so profoundly yes. that it's impossible for way not it. to be drawn to them. Yes. And like we see we see her walking through a crowd and you know we can see the souls of everyone around like kind of dancing, wooting, hooping, hollering, eating, drinking, living in that revelry and she walks through the room and it is like a fire trails behind her. She is wearing a floral dress, mm-hmm. but it is not a floral print. 
It is this grown and woven garment made of living plants that hangs off of her body like vines. It is formed to her and moves with her. It smells sweet and it shines bright. Her skin is dark and she has decorated it decorated it with this beautiful gold and silver body paint that complements the bright and pastel tones of this dress. Her hair is a firework, treated not only, you know, with oils that make it shine with that healthy glow, but also colored a little bit, be it with, with pigments or or chalks or something that makes her look like the bright bloom that she carries on her shoulders. She shines in the lights of John Chi. She shines in the revelry of everyone around her, which calls attention all the more to the tattoo on her chest, the dark black that stands against the bright colors that shine from the dress on her body and the paint on her limbs, the black lily that sits upon her chest. I think at this point, it is unignorable that she is a performer as well. She gets on stage And she is not here to battle. I think there are battle components, and that might be what drew way. But this this venue is not just hosting battles. She lays down a beat. She she speaks that, you know, straight beat poetry that can be so cool and so powerful if it is done right. And so many people, you know, talk of woe and horror and struggle and strife. And she does it in a way that feels so bright and so hopeful, that stokes that fire that we see in way almost like no other. Even though you are just a member of the crowd, of the many dozens, or perhaps even hundreds, who are gathered around this stage, the words that she is speaking, it feels as though she is speaking them directly to you. And that connection is made. When she finishes that poem, her eyes follow the flow of her words, and she follows that thread to meet your eyes, and you know in that moment that you are connected. Jonnet is, of course, taking all this in and leans over to Wei and gives another another little, little elbow. Is like, who is that? That is probably the closest person who has come to being my soulmate. I can tell. I mean, we are in a... We're in a dream space right now, so, like, everything is kind of like, you know, whatever will be will be, but... This person is literally glowing. They're emanating light. That is so cool. I okay. Uh yeah. I'll, I'll shut up. This is <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying I see what's going on and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I was so there for it at the time. The fire that I felt inside my soul, this person was the only one who had a fire that was as bright to match mine. And I don't think I've ever found anything like that since. 
Yeah, I think John, it kind of dawns on John that we're talking about this in the past tense, and he kind of gets quiet again and lets the, the memory continue. I want to know, when Wei goes up to participate in one of these battles, you know, Wei has been scrappy. They have been living through the poetry, living through the art. But they've arrived here in Jiangxi, where where there are people who are the best in the world at what they do. Wei hasn't been trained by the liquid swords yet. How how did they do in this battle? I think they... They definitely had some rough edges when they went up on stage, and it was clear that they um, didn't have the level of experience and training as the other Liquid Swords masters. However, I think that they shocked and wowed everyone with the innate talent that they had uh, for it, and the passion and the comfort of being on stage just came very naturally to Wei. It really impressed the crowd. And it was very clear to them that this was someone to watch. Uh, This person was someone who was on their way, on their way. And that got a pop out of the audience, seeing this newcomer who they had never heard of before and clocking them as someone who would make great strides in this art form. Yeah, I kind of think like we see we see these performers hit on stage and it's not that we're getting the full rendering of their performances. Maybe some of them we do. Maybe maybe uh, this Lily that that way had their connection to. We heard that performance in its entirety. Everyone else, you know, like they are when you are on stage, you are a fire. Your soul is bare for everyone to see. They can see the passion. They can see the power. It resonates in heat and brightness that washes over the crowd. And Wei is an uncontrolled wilderness ablaze. Flames gout out from side to side. It is powerful. It is bright. It is blistering heat. But it is also unrefined. Mm -hmm. You burn through so many hopefuls who begin the battles. You speak your way to the stage. And we we don't see all of Wei's performances. But at certain moments during the performances, Wei's words roll out with the heat. There are certain moments that that pop of perfection, that full control hits over where we can see the diamond within the rough, where we can see what will be Wei one day. And of course, it comes to the moment where Wei has lasted long enough to match wits against a sword. And we see that Wei's words are still rolling here and there. But a liquid sword speaks entire. Their fire is not something raw and uncontrolled. Their fire is something that weaves beautifully and fluidly, weaves with intention, moves the way it needs to move. This person is not battling against way to shut them down or snuff them out. This person dances and moves with and around way, dances their words with ways to create something beautiful, to stand way up to be higher and brighter so we hear more and more of ways words roll out than we ever have. 
But still, Wei is speaking from behind a wall, shouting from beneath a blanket. We are only seeing a fraction of who Wei is and what they can be. And so the sword advances and Wei falls out of the competition. And that was the moment that I realized that I had to receive training and that I had to be like the sword. I feel I feel like there's a moment where, Wei, you say that, and then you look over and like, Jonnet's not beside you. Jonnet, spectral Jonnet has worked his way into the spectral crowd and is <laughs> applauding you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> What's that? Was that for me? Uh, hang on. And then he, he comes back. Huh? What did, what did you say? Wow. Um, I'm very flattered at how much you, you like tore a, You tore somebody apart before they even got on the stage. <laughs> they, they got halfway up the steps, and then they, they said, you know what? My bad. They turned around. That was incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, but you also saw how just talent and passion was not enough for me to advance to the next level. The, the, I mean... Yeah, the sword yeah, had that, a that person level was... of dexterity and training and control that I didn't have at the time. And that was the moment that I realized I needed to find my way to the Liquid Sword Monastery so I could master this art form and be among the greats and uh, achieve that control and dexterity that they presented to me. However, after the performance did make an impression on the crowd and someone whose light that was very clear to me uh, also saw that burning wildfire uh, that you just saw just uh, you saw just now. We were clearly connected in so many ways and there was nobody in that room who ha- had a stronger impression of my performance than that woman in the floral dress. Ooh, yeah. me cute. <laughs> I think like we can see the crowd and we can see them dim away. You know, there are spotlights on Wei and the woman in the floral dress. And Wei's soul is burning and fluttering out of control. It is high intensity emotions. Wei lost this battle, mm-hmm. and Wei knows that they're good. But Wei also knows that their opponent, the person who beat them, not only is better, but made them better. Yeah. Wei has a very clear idea that there is something holding them back, and they don't even know what that is. And that is can be a very difficult and frustrating realization for any artist to understand that you need to be better, that you aren't where you want to be, to see the path forward, but not understand how to walk it. That can create a very low space. So on this eve where Wei lived in their fire, true, where Wei spoke words from their soul and they echoed onto a spiritual plane, it still feels like a defeat. And Wei sits there in that, 
but there is a red thread that extends out from them and wraps around the fingers of the woman in the floral dress. So Wei sits, trying to manage these emotions, but then burning out of control and now not being on stage, having no outlet for them. It is a struggle. It is a turmoil. And then the woman in the floral dress crosses the room and introduces herself. And this connection that already exists now becomes solidified and clear. And Lex, I would just like a montage of these two getting close to each other, what that looks like and what kind of leads them to to where this is going. Wei is looking for comfort. And so they are the one who approach the woman. And the first scene would just be of them conversing about how great each other's performances were. Just effusing with adulation and excitement for art about each person's performance. Wei is, you know, bubbling over about how moving the woman's performance was, and she does the same. You know, she speaks encouraging words. She speaks like a fan. Like, you know, tonight I became a fan of you. They kind of exchange that. And that that, that would be like the first scene. And they have never experienced, or at least Wei has never experienced, the feeling of someone being a genuine fan of theirs, who can see their true fire, who can understand who they are intuitively. This is the first person who has made them feel like this. And especially in this moment, that, that feels like failure, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, I know when you feel like, even if you have done something great in art, when you f- can only see your flaws, yeah. it is so hard to see how anyone could, could enjoy something that is flawed. But yeah, hearing somebody who yeah. genuinely is touched by something that you do, mm-hmm. it cut, it can cut right through that in the right circumstance. Sharing the passion about art, Wei has never been around people who are so passionate about art. It felt like they finally found the right crowd or the right place for them in the world after so many years of sacrifice and toil uh, over something that wasn't for them. They finally felt this connection. This person is right. And that's what's going through both of their minds as they effuse about each other's performances. So that's scene one. Mm-hmm. Second scene, I think, would be them wanting to see where the night goes next. And so I think some sort of alcoholic beverage should be involved in this. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we got that. We got that. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. We got that in, in Sphere for sure. In John Chi, you bet your boots. <laughs> Which people have done. So I done. think the next scene, yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think the next scene would be them sharing drinks late after the festival, you know, it, probably in a different venue. Uh, they decide to leave the venue and go somewhere else, like maybe like a, a hole in the wall where the lights are dark. They can sit in the back and just continue to have a conversation with each other you know dimly things are dimly lit and they are sharing a drink and talking about their families 
Yeah, there are lanterns in this bar that they're burning a, a dim purple and blue with, with a few highlights of pink. Everything feels quiet and private and soft. It is a big transition from, from the electric mm-hmm. and burning atmosphere of the performance venue. But under these conditions, people can sit and simmer together. Yes, and talking, simmer is a great word. Talking about your pasts, you, you're able to say things about where you came from and what it took to get you here that you've really not been able to say to anyone else. Yeah, it feels like a very much like a confidant situation of someone who would just intuitively understand what Wei is talking about when they describe their restrictive past, their cultural upbringing, and it just felt like the it feels like the perfect moment and the perfect you know setting for deep conversations to go way late into the night. I think as this is happening. There's just maybe one small moment where the camera just slowly pans off of this conversation that's happening, and we have a slow reveal that current day Teacher Way and Jonnet are in like the booth next to them, <laughs> and we're we're just like you know our hands are both sort of like mime gripping over two drinks that were left there by the previous party <laughs> and they're like halfway empty but like we're just we're just kind of like watching watching it as if it was like another show <laughs> yeah and i think i'm watching with a level of like wistfulness and fondness over it and what is your expression Janet? Janet is paying attention to this but there are, are like long swaths of time where Janet's not necessarily paying attention to the two of you and is more just like watching you watch this because like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much that we gleam from the person remembering these memories. Yeah, I think at some point there's an impulse uh, that stirs up in way and they decide to kiss this other person. And they accept that warmly. Mm-hmm. And their words sort of cut through the the vibe of the memory. Her voice is low and smoky, dark, rolling like a soft and warm fog. And she says, I told you before that people can get sick from being separate from one another, that the body hungers for touch in a way that can kill you if you're not careful. The soul works the same way. If you can't bring yourself to touch others around you, you can fade away. I can I can help you with that, if you like. And I think Wei accepts this with apprehension and enthusiasm. Which rolls us to scene three. Mm-hmm. And Lex, I, I, I want to know what place feels private and safe? Where, where, where 
do you two find yourselves? Does it have to be private? It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think that John Chi is a place that will probably have a lot of adult entertainment clubs where you could do this sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like Yeah. And so I think it could be like a semi public context. This is cool, especially because the context of the truth of of the souls of these two that that we've spoken about. Right. You know, like there there's a part of them that lives in the fire of of this festival at John Chi, that lives in the excitement of the stage and the expression of self to a crowd. And you retreated into the intimacy of privacy, but you enter the intimacy of the stage once more. And the place that we're in looks fucking wild. I think this is a place like it is a club but it's got like a bathhouse vibe. I, I think there are mm. like warm pools that oh, are- I love this. It's like lit with these lanterns too. So there are these colorful lanterns underwater and like in these like pouring spouts and whatnot. So there are these gouts of light everywhere. And, you know, John, it, I think it's unavoidable to notice that this is an extremely adult place. Even if you can't see people, you can see the absence of people and water is falling over those forms. So it is not hard to tell what is happening around you as you see Wei and this woman come together. And I I think in order to focus on the importance of this scene while also keeping this within an acceptable level of comfort for everybody. The physical forms uh, of these two fades away and we can see the fire of their souls joining together. And it is in this where we see the universe itself, the the stars, the lines, the possibilities, and the, the bright flames of the souls of these two. We can see them move together. There was a sense of this in that first kiss shared between these two, where their souls flared up and and their bodies moved together. And you could see that the Lily's words held true in that moment, that not only did they touch each other with a physical presence, but their souls touched each other as well. And in this moment, in their movements, as their souls bond together, they pulse and the universe pulses with them. And there is like a time lapse. We can see these two souls pulsing together in a a comfortable, like rhythmic pattern as the world and universe starts to speed up around them as time slows just for them and moves quickly for everyone outside of them. And, you know, we, we can see the absence of people, like how they have gathered a crowd and, and the pulse of, of their souls, like intertwining and burning together and the lines of possibility and the universe edging ever closer towards these two. It might have been hours. It might have been days. It is impossible to tell because this moment right here is a spell. 
And that spell cuts through the calluses that were laid on top of Wei by their harsh upbringing, by the oppression that their family faced when they were displaced and moved to somewhere unfamiliar, that their culture had laid on top of them, the restrictions that they never agreed to that cuts through the suffering that they endured when they followed their own path and had to make sacrifices in order to do that. In this moment, there is only truth, only passion, and only fire. And that is why the universe is drawn into that fire of the union between Wei and this lily. And in that connection, something permanent happens. A bonding between Wei and the universe itself that forms an eye. It is not an eye of an angel feather like Jonnet's, something fully formed and incorporated. It is a connection between the universe and a soul formed anew. And it is not perfect. It has no sight, but it does live and it does exist. And as we see those souls like slow down in, in their pulsing, the, their heartbeats returning to normal, their bodies pulling away and, and their forms once again becoming distinct from one another, that connection to the universe is never severed. Those calluses have fallen away and we can see the true bright warmth that lives within way now burned by a fuel of truth bonding them to the world wow uh <laughs> uh that's uh i told you i wouldn't be able to have this experience if i had never left home and hadn't seen what i was supposed to do it's one of my fondest experiences in life and it changed me forever. I mean, talk about before and afters. You're, you're, gl you're glowing. Yeah. Yeah. Just love thinking about it. <laughs> That's um, pretty cool. It was, yeah, it was years ago. But just remembering how that felt. Just remembering the change. Remembering the impulse. Uh, remembering what I was yearning for all this time. It just felt so complete and perfect in that moment. And I was irrevocably changed by that. And after acquiring my eye through means that I don't even really understand, I had a more complete view of the universe, which led me to my training. Have you ever experienced anything like this, Jonathan? I mean, not literally, but, you know, spiritually. Um, has my, has my fire ever fi hit with another fire? Well, I, uh, I don't think, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've had this. Because this is, <laughs> this got censored. The, the pocket space, <laughs> the FCC of the pocket space, uh, uh, said, said, no, thank you for young eyes. And I get that. So maybe not this, but I mean, I have had other people add 
fueled my flame before. And those are some of the best memories. And I think Way's memory fades and we transition into Jonnet's. This is a sidebar. That was beautifully done. I loved it. Oh, it was, I, I it was am. Great. I am glad. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> it was beautifully done. Um, it was tasteful. It was <laughs> hot. It was exciting. It was like, yeah, just, just great. I'll Love take it. that as a blurb for the show. Tasteful, tasteful hot, <laughs> and exciting. Campaign Skyjacks, baby. Tasteful, hot, exciting, huge birds. <laughs> huge birds. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe these birds. Gigantic and chonky. <laughs> Chonk birds. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We return once again to the long line of prospective applicants for the Skyship Uhuru. Uh, we see someone uh, come off that line and approach the table of panelists who judge uh, who can join the ship and who will not. There is a pile of, of headshots and resumes on this table from previous applicants. Um, and we, we see a new person step off the line. Lex, would you like to describe this person for us? Um, this person is 5'4", with shoulder-length hair, uh, with glasses. <laughs> uh, they look Asian, uh, and, um, they, uh, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, they, they have this, uh, how do I say, they have this uh, demeanor of being very confident and also very put together, but also very troubled. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, all right. Uh, uh, it, it, it's nice to meet you. Uh, what, what would your name be? Hi, my name is Alex, but you can call me Lex, the lexicon artist. Ooh, a nom de guerre. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we like to call it a stage name. Ooh. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming out, Lex. Um, I see you are. Um, there's a there's a little bit of a smudge on your application for the Uhuru. Uh, what uh, position within the crew are you uh, here to interview for? I am here to interview for resident live entertainer. Oh. oh. Now, now you know who might want to sit in and hear about that is Bathroom Barry. I was going to say. Just, he just oh, put yeah? on a beautiful production. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it was very moving. See, the thing is about Bathroom Barry, though, is that after that uh, that amazing transcendent uh, production, he's actually on a hiatus. He he, oh. he put everything into that show, and so now uh. he has to take some time to get back yeah. to himself. So we could actually use uh, a performer to entertain in the interim. Well, he's and a little in sabbatical, understood, make, yes. Make sure the <laughs> bathrooms are sort of up to standard, replacing broken doors, whatnot. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Now, no, no, what, what, what sort of a performance do you do? Is, is it juggling? Is it juggling things that are on fire? I can juggle is it... words. That's why I'm oh. called a lexicon Ooh. artist. Oh. Words that are on fire? Words that are on fire. Or you can say that my flow is on fire. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, now that sounds like a medical issue. Or <laughs> that's say like issue. a human volcano. <laughs> <laughs> my words are liquid fire and my flow is Vesuvian. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, okay. Okay. I mean, I don't know necessarily that some of those references will translate to this universe, but uh, we can. No, I got it. Vesuvius, <laughs> my my good friend, who is also a lava monster. Mm. <laughs> Very cool. Ah, that. good. I'm glad that we've established that here and now. <laughs> <laughs> We've all met a lava monster here on Sphere, right? Well, right? the angels can't Sphere? all be like wings. Sphere? <laughs> Gable Sphere? The stuff is put on a more bagel? heavy Yiddish influence in the Diruhuru space. Okay, Gable, though, low-key, there was a several-month period where every time I said the word Sphere, it wanted to come out sh- Sphere, and I, like, I feel like I fumbled over it every single time. So it's very, it's great. Well, that's, that's why I just don't say it. (laughs) The the most important thing, I know that I consistently say it wrong. I cannot say it correctly and (laughs) never will. (laughs) But I would like, I'd like Lex, I'd like to get back to to you and and, and your work. So if you're a a performer, is there any way that uh, we, we could engage with your body of work? Uh, yeah, um, you can, uh, listen to it on, <laughs> on the air, Ooh. on the air. <laughs> you can say a website you... and we can all pretend that websites <laughs> exist. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You can. That seems like it'll be easier. <laughs> you can listen to anywhere you usually listen to music in this world, in Sphere. Ooh. Ah, ah, so, so Spotify, <laughs> Bandcamp, <laughs> yeah, it's a those beautiful things. festival mm-hmm. in, uh, where all these musicians camp. It's called a band camp. Oh yes, yes. It's over the yes. summer, and that's where all the new music is. I, I love yeah. the idea. Uh, yeah, actually, where, where do you where do you see the most most gold for for your re- return uh, on people mm-hmm, listening mm-hmm. to your music at that, this that particular be... festival called Bandcamp? Ah, the yes, yes. You've all heard of fan. the band camp. Yeah. Yeah. Every, um, uh, once once a month uh, on fr- the first Friday of every month, I'm a pretty big fan of going to the band camp uh, to spend <laughs> my gold frivolously among the various and sundry musicians. In fact, I, uh, I do a, a Twitter thread on it every month. So, you know. <laughs> Oh yes, Very when cool. you chain Ooh. those birds together. Yes, <laughs> I tell I tell the birds in the aviary, and they t- they go away <laughs> to the various and sundry locations and sphere that we visited. And uh, what now, Janet? Do you know about the band camp? 
I mean, I've I've heard of the Bandcamp. I've yeah. Well, that that's a thing where where the the talented musical artists of Sphere uh, uh, on the first Friday of every month, uh, they're all gathered up by by wicked griffins who dive down from the sky and and put them in cages. And what you can do as as a as a patron of these musicians is yes, please you can tell fly me how to over those cages, <laughs> listen to them uh, performing their various musical deeds. Otherwise, the birds will eat them. Uh, uh, and shower them with gold. And on the first Friday of every month, uh, there's no pass through for that. They just the gold all goes right to it the goes directly musicians. to the artists. Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! Now you said Friday a few times, and I, I'm trying to remember if we've ever. Uh, now I think we've days all of the assumed week. that mm. we have a seven day week just to make things easy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we've ever mentioned specific days of the week. I'm assuming Friday is one of those. Well, um, Friday is the first day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I've always found that that's, a really that's... unnecessary world-building trope <laughs> in fantasy fiction, <laughs> <laughs> Just make it Tuesday. Why are you going to be weird about it? <laughs> right, so well, Friday there's two the... Tuesdays in, our, in the Sphere Week. That's God why it's it. called yeah. Tuesday. If, it was, <laughs> if there was only one, it would be called Wednesday, which is the third day of the week. <laughs> oh, so we've, no. got, oh, we've no. got Friday, Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday Wednesday, Wednesday, Tuesday. <laughs> but yes Uh, if you will be so kind to have me as a crew member i can provide you endless entertainment in the form of rapid fire words spit to music (laughs) don't say spit now now, uh, one one more question in the event that we are uh in a dangerous adventure or under attack do you think you could level those uh fire words at our opponent to maybe hinge or roast them is some if somebody teaches me some level of magic that allows me to convert words into oh. uh, physical attacks, then yes, I think oh. I could do that. Hmm. Okay, so there's going to need to be some on-the-job training. I think. All right. Well, um, we can make that happen. We um, have we. So, so no, we can either we can make that happen, and B, I'm making the executive decision that that's the thing possible in this world now. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> That's magic that, that is in yeah. the world and can be done and probably by. I, I hear that there are certain uh, people who have the ability to use words to do all sorts of things mm. uh, in terms of magic in indeed, your world. Indeed. Yeah. I don't know if what you do have you any of those people on board or in your crew, but if you do, uh, I could certainly learn how to do that. Well, my name is Travis and I'm here to say... <laughs> <laughs> I turn into animals in a changeling way. There we go. Also, uh, I've been doing this show for a long time. Uh, uh, This oh, and this will rhyme just now because I said it. I this is the first time I've ever taken notes, and it's the days of the week. And I just wanted everyone to know that the first time I've ever taken notes for this. That's not true. That's not true. Because you did write down that Calivar was a crocodile man. That's true. That's the (laughs) other thing that I've written down. Two notes. Hmm. Two notes, four years. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my power where I can rap and uh, it makes notes. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, well, Lex, uh, uh, let, let's see. Uh, before we all sign on to bringing you aboard, uh, what what's your rate? What are we? What what are you expecting in terms of wages? We usually offer uh, shares of of whatever uh, prizes we take. 
from from you know the various ships that we we will hijack. Yeah, I love prizes. Um, I just I'm looking for a cool adventure and uh, shelter from all those vultures uh, who fly around the the band camp all the time. Yeah, because... the music industry vultures. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly feel like I'm uh, in at at the danger of being eaten by all those birds. So um, if I were on the ship, I would no longer have that danger. So uh, I'm just looking for some uh, good old fun and adventure. On, we on we ship. do have a man-eating bird in our, in our aviary, by the by. But, uh, <laughs> Don't you worry about that. He's no. nice. He only eats fascists. It's fine. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> I approve of that. Well, Lex, I, well, I, I, I got to say, uh, it's a big old thumbs up for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. I concur. Lex is also up. giving yourself a I'm thumbs up. I'm giving a thumbs up. <laughs> the vote. It's a thumbs up for me, but the implication is that you will canonically be on the ship. You don't have to yeah, show it, up it, all the time, but you'll be here. You'll be right. here. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does mean you will be on the Uhuru death, death chart, chart, and there is a chance. Oh Lex is like twenty. There's HP. a low, it's fine. It's fine. a low possibility, <laughs> but a possibility nonetheless. Uh huh. Yep. I mean. That's piracy. We that can, is we... piracy. I'm looking for an adventure. Severe. I'm looking for a fun time, not a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's going to be a yes for me. That's a unanimous. So at some point in the future, really to pay off on this, I'm speaking directly to James D'Amato and the production staff. You're going to have to remember to, to go... Uh, approach Lex about doing some kind of song in the future. <laughs> and everybody listening right now has to hold me to that. Oh, like a, we'll like do. a death we'll song. Do. Like if we roll on the death chart <laughs> and Lex dies. No. no, no, I want to hear the song before then. Don't do that. Oh, I do <laughs> love that though. Ooh, I love that. I like that both ideas. Much. Yeah, I'll write a song about death. <laughs> <laughs> Just like when we killed Ryan Lochte, we made him swim laps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you you Our, die by your occupation. <laughs> if you die by Our your perfect. occupation, you die in real life. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like All My Fantasy Children. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by you. Each week, best friends Aaron Catano Saez and Jeff Stormer take a listener-submitted prompt and, using some of their favorite tabletop RPGs, create an original fantasy character. Along the way, they populate a shared universe one story at a time. They share laughs, stories, and verbal hugs along the way. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. 
Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.